Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Hey, everybody. Today, we're welcoming back one of my favorite guests, Vanessa Rarisi. Vanessa is an entrepreneur, an ordained pastor, a working artist, and a mother. She's talented, open-hearted, rebellious, and thinks about things so deeply with her heart. When she talks, you want to lean in and listen real close so you don't miss something magical. She's always making beautiful things, and she's always integrating, building bridges for herself and for others between the human and the divine. Listen in as we talk about her new sermon series, her own understanding of the patriarchy, religious trauma, and how she's shifting the narrative of gender hierarchy with progressive theology and so much more. Hey, Vanessa. Hello. So good to be back. I know. I'm so, so glad that we are, we're getting a chance to do this again. And it is, as I mentioned to you, the anniversary almost of when I first found out about you. Two year, the two year anniversary. Isn't that crazy? Amazing. That is so amazing. Yes. I know. It was kind of like when I fell in love with podcasts was through, um, for my listeners, was at a time when actually Austin was going through a health scare and I happened to jump in the car and I had downloaded a podcast app the week, the week before. And it just so happened that the guy's podcast that I was listening to was Rob Bell and he had a guest on and it was Julie Roll, Rob Roll's wife. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. she was talking about her concern with Rob's health. And the whole episode was about unconditional love. And I thought to myself, what are the chances of me jumping in the car? Because I was coming out of my skin and I was really worried about this heart event that had happened with Austin. And here she was talking about, you know, because I was triggered and I didn't know why. But As she started talking about unconditional love, I started recognizing that I still had some abandonment issues and that what was coming up for me was my fear of like his health and like it triggered all of this behavior in me. And underneath that was kind of this unresolved fear of abandonment because I lost my dad when I was about 20. Isn't that interesting? And then you were... And Rob and your husband, Rob, were the next podcast. And that was what inspired me to do a whole series of podcasts because I heard you and you were just a small part of that introduction. And I wanted to hear more about your story. And that's when I reached out and talked to you. And then I think I got this dream in my head, like, hey, I want to start a podcast. I did not realize that was the the background for that. I hadn't. I didn't realize you were so new to listening to podcasts too. That's so interesting. I to was be able to just jump in at that moment. It's the thing where, like, when you when you're speaking, you'll find. <laughs> well, <laughs> you found, yes, you found something. Yeah. Well, and I was very much, you know, when I am kind of living inside of my revelation project, it's kind of this idea. And Vanessa, I know you'll appreciate this is like the striving 
is kind of the opposite of the mystical experience, like the controlling. (laughs) So I love this idea. Like for me, the Revelation Project is a lot about surrendering to the divine feminine and allowing divine to meet me and reveal to me what is wanting to be unveiled next in my life. Yeah. So good. It is. Lightly, lightly. Yes. Totally. I love that. Me too. And of course, what I also love was that you were so unaware that your small introduction had had such an impact on me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we talked about this, I think the first time when, um, when we when we talked about that uh, that podcast is I really expected to just be the setup, and when when Rob just kept asking me questions and seemed interested in what I had to say, I, I kept kind of giving him the eyebrow like, "You want me to keep going? Like, I'm not just the ten minute warm up act." And it was so powerful to be the way I say it is to be witnessed in that way. And then you turned around and did the same thing, mm. is, you know, by calling me up and saying, "Hey, listen, your story was so important to me. I want to hear more." Um, we have no idea sometimes that no. what we're doing is, is the least bit interesting or, or valuable. We're just kind of going along. And when somebody comes along and says, oh, actually, this is, this is really helpful to me. Yeah. Or tell me more or like, yeah. you know, I need to, I need to understand. And yeah. And of course, you were so gracious to, you know, just kind of start talking to me about that. And from that point, I think I had, I had said kind of out loud, like my dream is to one day have a podcast and have you on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And here we are. And here we are right. almost exactly two years later. So that's that little backstory. It. And, and so for those, you know, of you listening, you can certainly uh, look at some of the back episodes and see the one, the first one with Vanessa, but what I'd love to do is just kind of find out like we're, we're kind of, I don't know where we're at in COVID right now, but I'd love to first hear like, how have you been and how is everybody doing in the, whatever it is? Are we at week nine? It's, I mean, time has ceased to have any meaning. I mean, I, I looked at the calendar and was like, really? Mm. I, I had no idea. <laughs> I, you know, for me, and, and I felt guilty about this at first. Quarantine suits me. I'm a homebody. Mm-hmm. I'm an introvert. Um, and so in a lot of ways, it has allowed me some space that I had not had uh, to breathe. Um, I had been trying to keep up with a pretty hefty schedule. And I had a lot, a lot on my shoulders. My husband had been traveling a lot, like weeks at a time. I had my mom was staying with me at the time and it just I had just had a lot of responsibility and mm-hmm. was, was caring for the church by myself as well because Rob was gone so much um and so I I don't think I realized how tired I was so uh when all of the expectations to go out and do were were taken off of my plate that was kind of nice it kind of felt like summer vacation for me at first I can relate um, yeah yeah and I, I mean I think by and large, we, we're all too busy. I mean, that's the way we respond so often is, you know, you meet up with a friend and, and they ask, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, so busy, you know, so busy. Mm-hmm. And it's such an uninteresting answer. I, you know, you know, so, so busy. I don't know. No, I got it. So, I mean, that part has been nice. But of course, 
I'm super mindful of just the amount of grief that it also brings up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my freshman had to come home from college and I, he was having a blast in New York and um, had such big plans for the summer and they're all gone. And, you know, to, to have that really magical time in your life be, be just so abruptly stopped and also kind of traumatically because, you know, you're 18 years old in the city and it's become dangerous. Oh, you know, yeah, yes. You've you've overcome your like whatever whatever your small town reservations about living in the city were. You've you've been in the, you've been in there. You know, there long enough to get over that and to really feel like you're part of something. And then now you have to leave because it's like dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that that has been tough, of course. Yeah, it, uh, it's like many things. There's that those intense paradoxes that there are some really beautiful things about quarantine. There are some really good things that we're getting a chance to slow down and notice, but there is also some just heartache. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Real heartache. And of course, you know, I knew that you had started to broadcast some of your sermons before Mm -hmm. quarantine, but Uh I'm, I'm curious, how did, how did you kind of shift into and what, kind of how did the whole congregation, how have you, how oh. have you done that? So we pretty much, let's see, my husband and, and my son flew back on the same day and met up at the airport here and drove home together. And that next day I was supposed to preach and it was so chaotic that my husband was like, I'll, I'll, I'll just take over and we'll just kind of do a chat to sort of you know, check in on people or kind of just, and, and so that, that was fine. We just, we went immediately to Facebook live and we did not try to record something ahead of time. I know a lot of congregations try to record a service with their musicians and everything ahead of time. We just said, okay, let's just, we're really good at being on the fly anyway. So let's just do that. And so for a couple of weeks, we just would have these sort of conversations and they were on topic with what we had started for the series, but we just tried to keep it very casual and very light and not very, not as long as a normal, as a normal sermon mm-hmm. or, or a normal church service, because what we wanted was connection. We didn't want to put on a show. We've never wanted to have a show. And, and it's easy for, I, I think it's easy to sort of default to like, I guess we'll try to be like church on TV. Like we didn't want that. No. Well, and I, I think, you know, my understanding of Vintage Fellowship and what you guys have been really up to creating out there is exactly like what's in the name, right? Like, I, right. right. And so, and right. just so, so for our listeners, like, what would you say, how would you describe Vintage Fellowship to them that might be different in terms of what they would normally think of as like church? So Vintage is a startup officially i mean it's 12 years old maybe older than that uh we meet when we when we meet we meet in a storefront type building and it is experimental and creative so rather than we don't ever have to say well we've always done it that way or you know the donors won't like it if we do this or you know we've never had to be stuck with any tradition or program uh, we're not part of a denomination. We are we are very light-footed in that way. And so 
that gives us the freedom to like try things. And if they work and they feel good, then we keep doing them. And if they don't work, then we say, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Um, so it's, it, it really is trying to use the best uh, educational methods and the best kind of connecting methods as we can. Um, you, you know what word familiar. is coming up? Yeah. Well, and I was also thinking the word that comes up for me is innovative. Right. right. Like, th- yeah, that there's this, if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to start from scratch, you might as well like try stuff. I mean, I said, I said even this week, you know, starting vintage, uh, rule breaking was an ethos. It was <laughs> our whole mindset was let's, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. So we started breaking rules from the get go. Like, uh, give me like, an example. Like what would be a, ru- so, a rule that you broke? So for marketing, we had a bunch of signs printed with just the website, vintagefellowship.com. That was all that was on it. No telephone call or telephone number, address or anything like that. Just this, just, just the website. And we took those signs, like yard signs, and we posted them everywhere. Just one night went out and just blanketed every exit, every like Walmart parking lot, every, everything. And we would put like six or eight or 10 of them right in a row, like bam, 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 which was totally against the city code. That was like a big... (laughs) That was a big no-no. Okay. And they called us and said, either you come and pick up these signs, you know, you come and pull these or, you know, you're going to get a fine. And we were like, fine. But, but what happened was, is people were like, what the heck is up with that? It, what is it? And it got them curious enough that we, we got, you know, a, a group of people right off the bat who went and looked at the website and like, oh, okay, it's a church. All right. And they started to kind of look around, you know, let's try it. Let's see what, see what the deal is. And it was a way, uh, a really cheap way of making a splash right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've done things like talking about rest. So we're going to take a nap. Everybody just take off your shoes and you can lie down on the floor if you feel comfortable. Okay. Uh, we had a baptismal service. And because we had people from so many different backgrounds, we did, uh, we did an infant baptism. We did a sprinkling from somebody who'd grown up in a Methodist background. Uh-huh. And we and then we dunked. We got a, a tank, a stock tank, and we did immersion, full immersion like Baptist baptism. So we did all three in one service. Well, and it literally is like immersion like and, and also fusion, right? It sounds like from Oh, that's such a good word. I love that. I'm gonna write that down. It is, it's fusion. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and the, one of my favorite restaurants, which is Salvation Cafe in Newport, I'll why not give them a little shout out, right? What they have kind of this, you know, there's you could go and have like a beautiful like tie bowl, or you could have they just have like or then you could have a, a an amazing like steak with frites and you know there's just they, they fuse everything right like yes. asian american yes. you, like all these different all, yeah yeah you take all the really good things that's like that's i mean at the time that was vintage it's like having classic properties that are sort of universally liked and, and understood so you take the vintage and then you have the fellowship and that is the is the idea of like okay we're going to be able to come together over these common things and so it's we, you know, sometimes we practice, sometimes we, we observe Lent, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we do a Holy Week service with Good Friday and Monday, Thursday and foot washing and, you know, uh, that whole scene. And sometimes we don't. We do Advent. We follow the, the church calendar, but not, not totally. We do during the summer is ordinary time. That's part of the church calendar. But for us, ordinary time is we don't play any Christian music. 
our band doesn't play any Christian music. We only play songs from the radio. I love that. So there's this, yeah, there's also kind of like, what, let's take this ancient sacred ceremonies, but bringing mm-hmm. kind of a modern, Amer- yes. like everyday yeah. twist to whatever's happening. Yes. Yeah. Because we don't need, I mean, we, we are spiritual beings. We want to practice rituals. We, we want some way to mark our, our milestones. Um, we, you know, weddings, funerals, communion, baptism, you know, launching kids, uh, graduating. Uh, we want some way to perform rituals that make sense, but we don't want it to feel so weird and foreign and, uh, to Rigid. feel yeah for it to be loaded as well with like sort of painful um kind of you know because a lot of us come from religious trauma where where church was so so brutalizing and so painful for us and so of course that's the that's i think that's another big part of how how vintage functions is with a a very mindful mindful of people's trauma mindful of religious trauma and and being very cautious and therapeutic of that yeah, here's to more vintages in the world, um, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, there. I mean, there are a few of them. It's it's we're not a denomination. It's really important for people to understand that. So what it is, is, you know, it's progressive, pro- progressive theology. And so you're going to see it expressed. I mean, I've seen I've seen there's a there's a Jewish congregation in New York City mm-hmm. that was talked about on on being with Krista Tippett, where it sounded like that's what they were doing this sort of like this modern free uh artistic approach it, it it's in every it's in everything um i think the catholic church or maybe episcopalians call it fresh expression there's I, there's a movement all over the world for it it's just small and slow moving so yeah well it, which is so great to hear and What I also love about kind of, you know, our preliminary conversation was that we're kind of texting back and forth through these months and now years, I brag, (laughs) that you guys are actually unpacking a really interesting subject right now, which is the patriarchy inside of vintage. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah, in years past, we felt like it was super important to take some really like a really focused season to get super clear on our stance on LGBTQ people became like got really clear on the fact that they are fully included. They are, we have no reservations. It is not a sin. It's not, we are like, we are just fully inclusive. And that became part of our, the center of our values and and what we taught. But we, I realized we had never taken time to really unpack our language and our understanding or maybe our focus on our, the gender hierarchies that we had all grown up with. Um, and so, you know, socially, there's a lot, obviously patriarchy is still so pervasive socially, but theologically, so many of us had been brought up in that environment where we were taught to submit to our husbands and um, that man was supposed to be over woman and that was the way God intended it. And, and as much as we were like, oh, you know, we're free of that. We still don't really, it wasn't modeled in our homes. We, we, there just wasn't, we had, we'd never really thought about it like purposefully. Of course we're thinking about it all the time, but not like in a, how do we 
structure? How do we think about this differently? How do we like really address it? And so for the next, starting on Mother's Day and going through Father's Day, we're spending this season talking about, um, talking about patriarchy, patriarchy, talking about gender hierarchy. The whole year, we've spent the whole year at Vintage on the theme of justice. This idea that um, there's a scripture that says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And a lot of us were brought up with this idea that that means holiness and that means you're not allowed to ever do anything bad. But really that word should be seek first his justice. Righteousness is supposed to be justice. And what that means is just that the people ought to be able to live with, you know, freedom and fairness. And for so long, the church has been the agency for injustice. Mm. So, yeah. And, and I, and I should mm-hmm. say too, I mean, if people don't know, like coming in, like I, we have, we have a very wide view of people. People are on a journey. Certainly our way of doing things is not the only way of doing things in our way that God is not the only way to, to to know God or whatever. So I just, I want to be like clear right out the bat. Like we do not have an agenda for people's lives. We want all we want is for people to be free and happy and healthy. So, so anyway, well, um, well, yeah. and I, I want to add, and maybe, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like, be free to have a relationship with both their humanity and their divine, whatever that means for them. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that is this thing that has been missing from our spiritual upbringing is that, you know, we were fundamentally taught that you are bad, right? We, we, we were taught the curse, right? You, your, your, um, your original sin. That's mm-hmm. the language, right? Is that you're you're bad. You're born bad. You're born with a sin nature. You're you know you're you're prone to evil. And and that was the doctrine that so many of us were taught. And what we were never told was original blessing. Oh. Um, there there's a there's this beautiful book. Um, Daniel Schroyer is her name, and it is called Original Blessing. And she kind of explores this idea that you know you're good. You're made good. Is like that's all God said throughout creation is that you're good, you're good, you're good. And you think about, you know, your baby gets laid in your arms and you look at that baby. You know, why are we looking at that baby saying, Oh, you're you're a little sinner? No, you're beautiful, you're good. So Yeah, and I was gonna say, and back to kind of this um, you know, unpacking the patriarchy and where the patriarchy came in and even oh, a lot of these original yeah. messages got skewed. Yeah. And and then yeah. also what you were saying about like, yeah, it's one thing for us to kind of be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're not we're not uh, consumed by that anymore. Like we're so progressive, like we're we're coming along. But yet when we look at how we're still kind of subliminally living or healing right from some of these very toxic, I think, and still festering wounds, you know, like if we don't have these very healing conversations where we really kind of take a look, unpack it, like look underneath the surface of some of this and really kind of air it out that we're not going to heal these wounds, that we're not going to create new conversations that create new possibilities for what this means to live in an alternate way where just like what you were saying about the LGBTQ and the conversation around really like getting clear on where you stood. And it's, it's, I think it's so true that like, 
we can continue to pretend like we're not in the trance of the patriarchy. <laughs> but mm, when we really yeah. start looking at some of our behavior, we're like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if you can help us thread some of these things, you know, that we might take for granted, and they kind of can go back to this idea of what you're calling the patriarchy. And maybe, maybe that's where we can start. Like that structure, like what is that to you? Yeah. Well, I think for me, I, I, you know, I grew up in a in a home where my dad was in the military, and then um, sort of that little house on the prairie pioneer kind of mindset of um, he's the breadwinner, he's the strong one, he's the He's the one you can depend on to, you know, make things happen. And he's the outer, like he goes out into the world and you are at home as a woman. And that was preached from the pulpit where when I was growing up that women shouldn't have jobs. I mean, like, I grew up super fundamentalist. So like women shouldn't have jobs outside the home. And I, I didn't know any women that had careers. Uh, I had like one aunt who had a job that, you know, because she wanted to. So in my mind, it was that God had created order through hierarchy. And that means that the daddy is the biggest and then the mommy and then the kids. And that hierarchy, you know, God, it's God and then dad and then mom and then kids. And so that means that, you know, the kids don't have equal say in a family because mm-hmm. they're just little and, you know, they don't contribute. So they don't matter. They have to go along with what the mom and dad say. And the mommy has to check in with the daddy and, you know, make sure that he's okay with it before you do things. Um, and we got that. I, I don't know. That was just what was modeled to me. It was the message that I picked up was that the, that men were central, that men were the ones who made decisions um, and that they were good at making decisions, that they somehow by virtue of having a penis could you know, be logical and calm in every situation and know what to do and that, you know, you should just rely on them. And I, it, it's real deep for me. It, it, I mean, I'm still waking up. I'm still really waking up from it. And I, I think a, a big part of it too was this mindset and, and, you know, your traditional churches are still really struggling with this is this idea of, of gender, that the gender, that there's two genders and they're, men are this way and women are this way and you know there's no overlap there's no and there's nothing in between um really devoted to the idea of binaries mm-hmm. or, or dualism dualistic thinking that there's one or the other and so you know i think i don't know it's such a big topic but that's the way i internalize it well and that. i i love you know i love that you like what I just noticed you you did was like slow down and get really and get really specific about what it means to you mm. because I yeah. think that I think that what you just modeled is that you know there's kind of like how we think about it out there but one of the things that I think <laughs> one of the very natures of this conversation is to actually this idea of like going inward 
and finding our own, starting to find our own truth, starting to find our own answers and our own way out of this, you know, and it, and that there's this inner journey associated with it that has to come first before we can hope to dismantle it on the outside. Yeah. And what I also noticed was, you know, as you were talking about the hierarchy is that I wanted to add to it. And yes, that, and that boys like the birth of a boy was somehow more significant and to be more celebrated than the birth of a girl. Uh Right. And that there was, and, and that there was kind of these subliminal messages that over time, become, like you said, entrenched and, and, and are very deep, run very, very deep. And so, and so it becomes like, well, (laughs) if it kind of took that long, and if, and if we're also people that believe in kind of the generational DNA, right, you know, then we've got some unwinding to do here. Right. And I, and I, yeah, go ahead. Um, and we we need to give ourselves and other people a lot of grace for that because what gets scary is and I and I feel it even just a little bit like even speaking is oh my goodness did I say that right I'm not mm. as I'm not as progressive I'm not as like I'm not as well versed in the language as I as I'd like to be I'm, I you know I I haven't studied enough I haven't learned enough. And we remain in a, in, a, in a timid place because we not only can't identify with who we used to be, but we don't feel like we can keep up with the ones that are out there ahead of us in some way. And what we've done is created another hierarchy, right? We're still invested <laughs> right. in this idea that somebody else is doing a better job of this and knows how to do it better than me. And so I'm somehow less. And so we, we, we're dealing with a lot of projections. And a lot of, you know, we've opened ourselves up to like, you know, exporting our ideas to like a celebrity, like tell me what to do. Yeah. It's such a great point, Vanessa. Yeah. And, and what we really need, and, and I find myself thinking more and more, especially as a pastor, is what I really want to see is not somebody who is necessarily like, oh, so you're reading great, you know, progressive books, whatever. I, I'm curious, what do you, like, what do you think? Are you valuing yourself? Are you able to hear your own voice? Are you quieting yourself enough to hear your own inner wisdom and your own longing? And what do you think is the next step for you? Because you probably know because you have the divine in you. You just are waiting for somebody else to tell you. Well, and back to, you know, the, you know, again, that construct of like God's out there you know, and and I think that that's still a big disconnect for a lot of people, like this idea of like, that the divine is actually inside of us, that it's, yeah, it's not about, you know, getting the answer out there, like that, that there's, you know, and and it's true, like kind of this idea of micro macro, like there's probably both, but I I don't think a lot of people are, you know, listening to that still inner voice, like what you're talking about, or what Glennon Doyle has really pointed a lot to in her most recent book, Untamed. Uh Uh-huh you know, and kind of what she calls the knowing. And I had called that, called it that same thing for years and, and never really recognizing, like, I was like, what is this voice, you know, that kind of guides me from within years before I actually acknowledged it as my higher self or my divine self. 
you know, and so I think that it's also okay. And I love that you, I mean, one of the things that I love the most about you and I find so precious and refreshing is that you, you know, you'll say the thing anyway, even if it's a little messy and, (laughs) and try your best to just be graceful with it and, and find your way with it. That's a beautiful quality. And I, And I think that one of the things you're pointing to when you're kind of talking about inviting this, what do you long for? Here's what I want to know is this idea of like, just all of us being able to get messy together. Yeah. And that it's okay that it all gets to belong here. Because, you know, it's this idea that it's in the mess that we're going to find the magic and the magnificence. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're we're in such a capitalist and marketed kind of world and, you know, we're so used to only seeing finished products and, you know, we watch HGTV and you only see like the, okay, here is the before and here's the after. And, you know, there's no real time visiting in the, like in the real disaster of a, of a renovation. I mean, I redid our bathroom and you know, everybody loves the, you know, the fast forward, you know, sequence. That's <laughs> such a great point. Cause I was, I was watching you on Facebook and I was like, damn man, but you're, I know what you're going to say right now. Go ahead. Right. But nobody was seeing me curled up in a ball, crying my eyes out and eating another meal on the bathroom floor with oh my, my family frustrated and right? dust on everything. Nobody was, nobody wants, no, no, you know, we, we you don't want to see the middle picture for heaven's sakes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The part where we dropped the toilet on the new tile floor and smashed three pieces in the middle and had to pull the whole floor up and start all over again. Oh my God. Yes. And you know, you weren't sure if your marriage was going to make it like, (laughs) you know, like it's just so true. You don't get to skip. You don't get to that. You don't get to that good renovated space. No, without the disaster, you you don't. Yeah, but we forget that, and we don't make space for it, and we don't we don't want to talk about it, and we have to. We have to. Well, we have to, and you know what I'd love to point to here is that that's what's missing, and I would also kind of point to that and say that that's a very feminine energy that chaos. Mm. You know, that's what Mm -hmm. we've been taught to avoid, actually, we've been, Mm -hmm. you know, and back to kind of this, you know, idea that if we were to kind of like, just look at the energy of kind of what we've been living in, it's a lot of this goal oriented, do, do, do produce, Mm -hmm. you know, that and those I think we've just been out of harmony for so long. And that going back to this dualistic binary, right? Mm -hmm. Male, female, one has to be higher than the other. And it's like, no, no, no. It's back to kind of the idea of vintage fellowship. It's like, everybody gets to find their own way. And all humans have this masculine and feminine energy and they're both human and divine and it's really about integrating that everything needs an opposite and I think we're just finding our way back into unity but it's gonna be messy 
Yeah. And that word unity is so great because that's the real thing, right? Is to be able to bring everything. There's, I'm, I'm going to murder the passage, but it's something about bringing everything into the unity and harmony of the spirit that Mm -hmm. like what we want is to overcome our sense of disconnection and to be in, in healthy relationships with the earth, with ourselves, with God, with one another. And that's, that's what we desperately need. And that, I mean, and that's, it's been so lacking for so long because we've shut up the divine feminine. We have shut out, we have shut out that part and we've said it, oh, it's not important. You know, it's not important that we take time or that we rest or that we nurture or that we, you know, take care of workers and, you know, fix racial injustice. And how do we, how do we work for the common good? You know, we, we've thought about how we can win. We haven't thought about how we can thrive. Mm, yeah. So. And I'm making up that you, you guys are addressing that piece about Mother Earth. Right. So we spent the whole, uh, the whole season of Lent um, on the topic, and we called it the, the death and resurrection of Mother Earth, which you know, bringing that, bringing that feminine language forward, um, you know, cause listen, you know, for the most part, we're, we're a bunch of, you know, Baptists, Southern Baptists, <laughs> you know, that kind of, so, I mean, that language is not easy. That's not easy language for people to move into. And they feel kind of woo woo, like a goddess. And, uh, they don't know what to do with it. And, Right. But, even, I, but, I mean, even me, right? Like, right. I, I, meaning that you and I struggled with this for a little while in the beginning, like we were right. like, ah, but it's like, it's, right. it's just now it just feels so natural, so normal, so obvious. Yeah. And yet, wow, what a journey, even if I look back a few years ago, when I couldn't even say goddess without cringing, because I, right. I, again, there's that training ground that I just, it's like, I wasn't looking at goddess as the other half of God. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like, duh. Yeah. Well, and, and what's interesting is that like, that is a, there are lots of, I mean, there are lots of societies and, and, you know, the groups of people that didn't have any problem with it. I mean, the Celtic Christianity was very mindful of the divine feminine. And, very, yes. You know, so the, I mean, there's, you can go and visit the, the island of Iona and, you know, the first thing you're going to see when you, when you come is a giant uh, sculpture of a vagina. Mm-hmm. Because they, this is like, this is part of the understanding that like, that this too is God. And for so long, we just, I mean, you and I, and so many people in my congregation, people I know, they they don't have a, a conceptualization of a divine feminine. But what changed it, Vanessa, was the conversations. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A- and that's yeah. that's the piece that I think is so important is is what you're doing, you know, is like getting people talking mm-hmm. because it's it's when we are kind of grappling in our own understanding of things and willing to be messy with it, you know, with each other, if we're, if we feel safe and held, you know, like, Hey, we all get to be messy, you know, Mm -hmm. that we don't have to have this down. This is new. Let's like unpack it as best we can. And let's like, 
let's find the let's find the nuggets here to bring to the surface. Just even giving people enough space to, you know, so like I've got a I've got a group that I meet with every Thursday morning, and we have you know sorely missed being able to see one another in person. We usually go to a coffee shop, and it's a group of women, multi generational single, married, widowed, you know, the whole range of a, of a woman's experience, <laughs> gay, straight, you know, non-binary sometimes. And that space, there's no agenda. I don't have an agenda for what I want for those women to talk about. And they don't have an agenda for what I'm allowed to talk about or not talk about. What we do is we come and we talk about what's going on and what we're thinking. And the reason it's transformative is because it's safe and you can kind of workshop stuff, work out, you know, questions and issues and like, you know, what do we think about this or how do, how do I approach this in a way that's really honoring to the individual. And so often I think in religious spaces, especially I think women come together and there's, um, there's an agenda that I really need you to conform to a particular way of speaking and a way of being and, you know, I understand you're having trouble in your marriage, but you know, your marriage comes first. Just, just try to stick it out. Just, you know, fix it, just whatever. I think in that space of freedom and acceptance of radical acceptance that like, I just love you for you. Like I value you for you. How can you be the best you? How can I help you be the best you? Yeah. What's coming up is like the space of no shooting. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And how we don't get that very often. Mm-mm. We don't get it from our family. We typically don't get it in religious settings. We definitely don't get it at work. We don't get it. Where, where do we, where do we get that? No, we don't get it. I mean, it, it's always the, you know, this is what you should be doing. This is who you should be. This is how you should behave. Mm-hmm. And women's magazines and like the way it's communicated to women and like the, the subtle, uh, the subtle competition the subtle measuring up again, you're into a hierarchy of measuring yourself. And it's, it's got, we got to stop. It's killing mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've, I've started really looking at, you know, when I find a really intense masculine energy that I have mastered, okay, right? Like I'm raising my hand, right? Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, goal setting, if I'm so mm-hmm. goal driven, and that in some ways is a measuring stick, then mm-hmm. what I'm often lately training myself to do is to look for the antidote or the compliment and it's in a feminine energy and so what i've started to notice is that where there's a goal there there's also something to come in that can soften that mm-hmm. and so a desire and a goal actually live beautifully together And then what else kind of inside the revelation project is that you can have a goal and a desire, the desire being the feeling that drives kind of you toward that goal, but that there's also kind of this open-handed surrender that you can set these things and then you are unattached to the outcome, that there's part of you that's, again, it's that striving, that's the opposite of the mystical experience. And like, Yes, we're we're human and we want to achieve and we want to make our mark in the world and let's not forget <laughs> not right. to be so tight-fisted, so controlling, so 
so um, focused on the measurement versus all of the milestones along the way, because I want to go back to that bathroom experience. And I bet you there are some really good nuggets of learning that had nothing to do with the final outcome of the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. That like, you know, it's, it's just, if, so again, it's like, yes, there's the bathroom, but like, you probably learned a whole lot about yourself and your husband oh, and goodness. along the way. Yes. 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 It's yeah. It's like yes. this way it's, of like being with and, and doing, but also recognizing that like in our human endeavors, there's also like we're co-creating often with, with something we can't see or control or measure. Yeah. It's about, uh, you know, as a creative because, you know, I'm a working artist as well. And so it's about tapping into flow mm. that you you are co-creating with the universe. So for instance, about, um, I guess, six weeks or so ago, pretty early on into the quarantine, a friend from college posted pictures from um, picture of a play that we had done together. Um, I had, I was a big drama geek and did all the plays in college. And so I had this group of friends and so my friend Rick posted this picture and, and Steve, who has gone on to become a theater professor, um, kind of jumped in and was like, this is amazing. I would love to revisit this in some way. Do you remember when we did such and such? And so we were talking about, we, we'd done the play The Glass Menagerie. And it was a really intimate experience for four of us that are, were part of the cast. All of a sudden, it was like we tapped into flow. And Steve said, what if, we, what if we recapped this? What if we came back and did this as a reunion show and, you know, recreated this and we'll do it on Zoom and, you know, show it. It'll be a show for people. And like this will be, we're going to give the gift of theater. Wow. And it, it was this, it wasn't just a good idea. It was like what Liz Gilbert talks about, an idea that wanted to be born. Mm. it immediately took root in our imagination and everything just sort of flew together into this, you know, we picked a night to rehearse and we figured out our platform and we were able to get our director from college. This is amazing to me. So our director from college had been at the school for like 30 some years. He left that school and went to the same school that Steve, who had become a theater, a theater professor, became his dean so they now live like down the street from one another yeah so they lived down the street from one another so brian was able to be a part of it he you know he was our narrator and like you know joining us in this and then the other component to it was um our the other castmate died of cancer last summer Mm. and it was it's exactly 25 years since we did the play together and her best friend in school was the assistant director and so we asked Rebecca to come and read for Sue and took Sue's role. Wow. And so then we were able to give it as a gift to Sue's parents <gasps> as a remembrance of her. What a beautiful story. It was incredible. I mean and it's so layered because then you know Sue introduced my husband and I. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But but yeah. again, like, I think what you're pointing to here, which is like, there's all of this interconnected, right? This divine choreography. Yes. 
And it's, it's like, if we are not kind of in touch with like just these everyday, like you cannot make this stuff up miracles, right? Right. you know, of, of kind of these stumbling, intersecting stories that just kind of come together. And like you said, are wanting to be born and back to what you said, you know, too, about this creative process. Well, you know, if, if we were to kind of like, look at just the fact that we each hold this divine spark or piece of the divine inside of us, then our very birthright is as these creative beings. And as you said, I'm a working artist. And it's so interesting, because in our membership, and you know this, because you're going to be doing the presenting next week, we you're like, Oh, gosh, did I did I? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's on the calendar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So but but what's so cool is we've been exploring, we've been exploring. So we always explore kind of like these two, what I call something with a little bit of tension. So the the subjects that we're studying right now are creation and meditation. And what we're looking at is where do those overlapped or intersect? And so you know, and again, like we're exploring, right? So I don't, I never come as the, I'm a certified coactive coach, right? So the the whole nature of coactive is creating with, right? right? Like as a coach, right. I don't have their answers. They actually have their answers. If I ask the right, right questions, they will come to their answers. And so I'm exploring right alongside of them. And what's cool, and this is what always happens inside the membership, is as we kind of start unpacking where these intersect and also kind of where they almost need each other, the creation is this beautiful way of like producing, but Mm -hmm. you need to receive sometimes. And so there's going back to being in the flow what I've started to recognize is that when I'm able to sit, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes and just be in the quiet and kind of commune with my divine, what the divine is for me, often what's there is some kind of like message or image or, but it's spacious there. It's almost like when you look at a physical space and you're like, oh my God, I can't even think in here until I like get all the shit out of the room. Um, And then I suddenly feel creative. Like that's what happens inside of me. It is, it is, it is, it is the, it is the, it is the, it's the maintenance. It's picking up inside so that you can clear that space for something else for something good to happen or in something else to inform you. And I love that kind of word inform Mm -hmm. because it's true that there's, there's that piece that I think we, we need to allow ourselves to be informed, but I loved this. And I wanted, this is where I was heading was when you were talking, I was thinking about, gosh, it's so cool. Cause I picked up Danielle Laporte's book last night and she talks about, she was like, you're an, you are an artist. She's talking to everybody. You know, you are an artist and that is that. Making art is not just about visual creations and producing material things. Every one of us is an artist at something. It's the thing we lose ourselves in when we are doing it or making it. It's the thing that makes us feel closer to ourselves and closer to a source when we do our art. It does not matter if you're a coach or a hairdresser, a baby whisperer, a facilitator, a troubleshooter, or what. And I loved that. I loved that. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. 
so good. Bam. I sound like, I sound like Rob Bell. I know, <laughs> so but we, <laughs> That's his phrase, he but knows yeah. we, he knows we crush on him. So it's okay. That is what God does. God, well, I mean, that's that, that's the first thing we know about God is that God creates. Mm-hmm. And so to allow ourselves the seriousness and the joy of creating is to tap into our, our divinity. Mm-hmm. It, it just is. So I love that. That's beautiful. What's the, what's the name of this book? I think this was um, one of her older ones, I think, you know, and I picked it up on a whim last night. I really sometimes I like stand in front of my bookshelf when I'm looking for some inspiration. And I just happened to grab, I think it was the Firestarter series. Mm-hmm. And that, that book has got to be about 10 years old now. Yeah. That's, there are a lot of books that are about 10 years old that all of a sudden we're picking them up and, and realizing there's something <laughs> it's, there. It's so true. Right? And by the way, while we're on the subject, have you picked up the Book of Longings yet? I, it's in it's, it's in the queue. In my it's Audible. In the queue. Yes, it's in okay. the queue. It all is. Right. It is. And I know there's a group of women from, from Vintage that have started to listen and read it together. Oh, so, it's so good. Yeah. Okay, I can't That's wait. Happening. I can't wait. That's we're going to have another... We're going to have another one. One of these podcasts, Vanessa, has to be all on breaking down our favorite books. Yeah. Right. Or our game changing books. So, So well, and I just wanted to say, like, what a beautiful conversation. I know that we were kind of like, hey, what are we going to talk about? And look at us. Look what we made. Yay. (laughs) Look what we made. Look what we created. We listened and we made. Yes. I like Uh, it. Well, and and I just, so where can our listeners find uh, Vintage? Are are we able to find you online? Sure. So uh, vintagefellowship.org is the official website, which is in the process of being redesigned. So don't be discouraged. (laughs) Don't be dismayed. Yes. Yes. You can also find us on Facebook. And that's the Vintage Fellowship. We're in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, And you can catch live like the, the live feed on Sunday mornings, we are still kind of doing that sort of traditional space and you can, you know, catch up on those. I don't think our live feeds have been turned into podcasts, but then you can also like my work is being funneled into my new website, VanessaRyerC.com. <gasps> Look at you. Any minute now. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. I can't coming together. So For those of you too, if they want to find and look at your your artwork, I, I'm sure they'll be able to do that there. But you're also on Etsy, right? I am. Yes. Uh, the I think I'm the mosaic butterfly and the classic butterfly on Etsy. Um, but yeah, you'll be able to find all of it at VanessaRyerC.com. And that will be launching any minute now. So uh, yeah, well, all the links for all the things. All the things. And we'll, we'll of course, include the links um, in the show notes. So you guys will be able to click back and find her even if uh you're furiously writing this down and get one wrong. But yeah, no, thank you so much. I cannot wait to reveal more with you soon. And uh, and in the meantime, I just adore you. And I'm just celebrating this two year anniversary. I, lo- I love that we have an anniversary that we can celebrate. I love year. it. Too. <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you were so nervous when you reached out at first because you were afraid it was gonna be weird. And I just think it's wonderful. Oh, thank you. It is, it's a game changer. And I, and I and it's wonderful to think that we might be able to help somebody else and just just by hearing something else imagined. And I love that. 
Yeah, well, it's it's true. You know, it's it's how it started for me was hearing you, hearing you and hearing Julie roll that day. Like you got you, those two voices really were what seeded the desire to put together a podcast. So mm-hmm. it, we've now kind of come full circle with this conversation. And I, I love that. All right, everybody, well, more to be revealed. If you're someone who is interested in working with us in a deeper way, please visit our website to learn more about how you can begin the process of unbecoming and remembering. Please enter the code podcast in the checkout to take advantage of special offers on any of our online courses, workshops, or online monthly memberships. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.